0: So upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code HAPPIER. That's greatjones.com, promo code HAPPIER.
1: Hello and welcome to HAPPIER, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to be happier. HAPPIER This week, we'll talk about why you shouldn't let yourself fall into empty, and we'll discuss the common happiness stumbling block of photo anxiety. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, human nature, and the four tendencies, of course. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, we have commiserated about photo anxiety many times between us.
0: Yes, we have. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretchen, it's so fun to finally see your book, The Four Tendencies, out in the world. And to see how many people have been reviewing it. Yes, no, it's it's great to have it out in
1: the world. It's kind of surreal in a way that it's, I, you know, you build up for it for such a long time that it's strange when the day actually comes and goes and the book is out. And I did want to give a big gold star to all of our, our listeners and other readers who take the time to review, because just like we talk about with the podcast, Online reviews really help other readers and listeners find content that they'll like. And so having a lot of reviews really, really is a tremendous boon for my book as it's making its way out into the world. So I wanted to say a special thank you to everybody who took a little time and had the inclination to write a review because I really, really do appreciate it. It's a big deal.
0: Yeah, I know I always read reviews when I'm
1: buying a book. Oh, I do too, 100%. Even if I'm checking out a book from the library, I will go and see what the reviews say and how many people have reviewed it. Mm-hmm. Because you know if 500 people have reviewed a book, then it's just a book that more people are interested in and that's sort of useful information. Or if I, if there's a, a writer who I'm just beginning to be interested in and I don't know which book to read first, this is something that often happens to me. Mm-hmm. So I go to the library And sometimes the library books, they don't even have any kind of material around them, no flap or anything. So I'll look to see, is there one book that kind of stands ahead as the one that people have gravitated to? And then start there. And if you love that book, then you can work through the other ones. But if you have five books by the same author and you don't know anything about any of them, it's hard to know which one to read first. So yes, I really do rely on online reviews, even for library books. Yeah, And Elizabeth, So we're getting ready. We're coming up to our very special episode 140, because, of course, every 10th episode is a very special episode. And I'm so excited for this theme of this episode, because this is a subject that obsesses me.
0: Yeah, Gretch, one thing you talk uh, about a lot in The Little Happiers is knowing the right thing to say. Like when mom said to you when you were panicking about your wedding, the things that go wrong often make the best memories.
1: Uh, yeah. When somebody has just the right thing to say, I feel like that is so valuable. And whenever that happens to me, where somebody just has the right thing to say, I just, I treasure it so much. So we thought we would do an episode highlighting when people have the right thing to say, but also maybe when people say the wrong thing without realizing it. Right things to say and wrong things to say. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so sometimes people have just the right thing to say or or sort of a, a tragically wrong thing to say in a specific moment, like... You know, when our friend did the terrible reply all instead of just reply few to an email and my husband had just the right thing to say, which was we've all done it. This isn't something that comes up a lot, but it's great to hear what worked in a very specific situation like that that maybe you've never faced before.
0: And then there are other circumstances that many people go through, like a divorce or a serious illness or a death in the family. And I think everyone's searching for what's the right thing to say in those moments. Yep. So if you've been through one of those experiences, tell us what was a helpful thing for people to say to you. And then also what was not a helpful thing? For example, Gretch, you know, recently we had these awful hurricanes and I noticed on social media that there was a real, um, trend that people did not like it when other people told them to, quote, stay safe. Even though that seems like a nice thing to say, I guess, I don't know, it highlighted for them the danger. They would rather you just say thinking of you. So, you know, it's hard sometimes to know what to say. And it's it's good to hear from people who've been through these things. Yeah. And
1: I think it's especially helpful to hear what is the right thing to say, because sometimes it's easier to identify the wrong thing to say. But Sometimes if you can't think of the right, right thing to say, you say nothing. And that's not good. You don't want to just not say anything in an important situation. So what are the wrong things to say? But even more importantly, if somebody says the right thing, what was the right thing? that We're, we're eager to he- hear from you. I think this is something where we can all learn from each other. So I'm excited to do this very special episode. Yeah. But this week, Elizabeth, for this week's episode, our try this at home tip is, I think, something that you and I both need to remind ourselves of often. Do not let yourself fall into empty, either literally or figuratively, whether it's with your own body, at home, at work, in life. Try not to fall into empty.
0: Yes. And Gretz, you talk about this a lot. It's something you definitely live by and you have instilled in me.
1: (laughs) yes happiness bully that I am
0: and I actually have to live by this in a way because you know I'm a type 1 diabetic as I've mentioned many times on the show and if my blood sugar gets too low it could be very dangerous so I can't fall into empty with my blood sugar I have to keep it up at a certain level or else you know I could really have a health problem
1: right right yeah, that's something thats that I'm very aware of when I'm with you, that you have to be ever vigilant about that. But I think even for people who, you know, are not type 1 diabetics, that feeling of being hangry, of being angry or like mm. so easily frustrated because you're too hungry is something to be aware of. Clearly, it's it's not as important as it is for you. But I really try now to always have snacks in my backpack so that if I get hungry when I'm out and around, I have something that I know is healthy. So I always travel with snacks.
0: Yeah, I always have a zone bar in my purse, like at least one, usually three or four floating around. And then on a practical level, Gretch, don't let yourself get to empty also applies to other things in life. Like for us here in Los Angeles, not letting your gas get too low. Mm. I am a believer in getting gas whenever you can. I hate it when my red light goes (laughs) on. When my red light goes on, I start panicking. Yeah. I am not someone who tries to get every, like Adam will like cruise into the gas station, you know, <laughs> with like half a mile yes. left. I am not that person. I want to have a full tank of gas. Also, because I just feel like safety wise, you never know what's around the corner and it's just good to have gas.
1: Right. Well, sort of the, the New York City equivalent of this is not letting your Metro card run out.
0: Ah,
1: because inevitably, the day when you let it run out is the day when there's 35 tourists who just got off at your subway station mm. all waiting in line for their one-day pass. And they've never used the subway Metro Card machine before. <laughs> yes. So each one of them is discovering the excitement of how to use it for the first time. I try to do it just whenever I have a little bit of extra time for the exact same reason. I don't want to fall into empty. I don't want to risk having to do it at a time where it would be really inconvenient. Or I'm racing, and even if there's no line, I just don't want to have to take even one or two minutes to do it. And I feel this way about cash in the house. I'm always like, why do we need cash in the house? But then we always end up do needing cash in the house. And I've really brought Jamie along to this way of thinking that it's just handy because when you need it, you need it. And if you have to go run and get it, it's always a pain. It's just easier to do it without needing it first when you can do it at your own time and convenience.
0: I'm the same way and I like to have all cash with me. Yep. A lot of people just walk around with just their credit card Yeah, and I feel very uncomfortable if I don't have cash yep. on hand. I don't know why, but I just feel like, well, what if something goes wrong and I don't have any cash? That feels dangerous. What well, if I need to bribe somebody in well, a bad, bad situation? Or
1: what happened to me recently is I was doing a book thing and I was traveling and like, I took a long cab ride and he said, my credit card machine is broken. Ooh. Cash only. And I'm like, well, you didn't tell me that before. Ooh. And so I think I could have just said to him, "Sorry, need cash, yeah, but that wouldn't have been very nice, but and I feel like there's a lot of stuff like this, printer paper, batteries, light bulbs, paper towels, certainly toilet paper, yeah there's just stuff that y- you don't want to fall into empty,
0: and also medicine,
1: yeah, medicine. you don't
0: want to like run down to the, your last pill in the pill box, which I have to admit I have done recently mm. And then I didn't have my medicine for like a week.
1: Or even something as dumb as like Band-Aids. Because like when you need a Band-Aid, you need a Band-Aid right then. You know, it's like you don't want to go schlepping out to get it. Yeah.
0: And then there's also, um, I think, something that we all deal with now, which is the cell phone. Not yep. letting your cell phone battery run down.
1: Yep. Yeah, plug it in, plug it
0: in when you can, whenever you can. Yeah, I actually even just ordered a solar powered charger. I didn't even know such a thing existed. I know, but in the wake of all these natural disasters, I've started trying to get my preparedness kit going, you know, mm-hmm. more than I have already. And one of the things that you can get is a solar-powered cell phone charger, which makes a lot of sense. So I got one so that even if, you know, I'm in a bad circumstance, my cell phone won't go to empty.
1: Very smart. Very smart. Now, and another thing I'm obsessed with is sleep is not letting myself get too underslept, really trying to stay on top of that. I mean, I gave Eliza the longest lecture about sleep before she went up to college because I just think it's so, so important. And I, you know, college is not well known as being a place where people have great sleeping habits. But so far, it seems like she's been doing a pretty good job on the sleep front.
0: Oh, good. Well, I hope that continues because (laughs) if you get in the habit of good sleep, then I feel like you keep the habit. And if you get in the habit of bad sleep, you keep that habit. Yes. It really is true. In terms of getting to empty that's probably, you know, one of the top things is the sleep. If you don't have sleep, then you can't do anything. A hundred percent. I believe that's with
1: such fervor. Now, Liz, I have to say that I do think that going into empty is a particular problem for underbuyers. Mm. People are, who are underbuyers like me, people who really dislike shopping, they dislike errands, they're always looking for an excuse not to buy it because we're always trying to say to ourselves, oh, I don't need to go to the gas station right now. I can do that tomorrow. Or, Oh, mm. I don't need to stop off at the drugstore and pick up that toilet paper because we have one more <laughs> scrap left on that roll. Right. Um, and <laughs> I'll post a link to people who want to read more about underbuyers and overbuyers. But I do think this is something that Underbuyers have to be particularly aware of because it kind of feeds into this desire to avoid buying. Yes, any kind of errand or shopping. Yeah. So let us know if you do try this at home and how making sure that you don't fall into empty works for you or in what zone of life you use this idea. Let us know on Twitter, Facebook, drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or go to happiercast.com slash 136. This is episode 136 for everything related to this
0: episode. Coming up, a happiness hack. But first, Scratch, we can't leave this conversation without playing a clip from Jackson Brown's Running on Empty. (laughs) Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, Gretchen, it is time for a happiness hack. And this week's happiness hack is to use the camera on your phone as a memory device.
1: Yes, I got this idea from copying my daughter, Eliza, because I saw her doing this, using her phone as a memory aid. Mm. Like if she was going to cook something, she would take a picture of the recipe. So she had the recipe with her when she ran to the grocery store to pick up whatever she needed. Because sometimes it's like you don't remember how much you need of something and something comes in all these different sizes and you're like, I don't know how much I need. Or after seeing how she did it, uh, Jamie had to pick up Eleanor from a party, Mm. and I took her there, and I knew that he would not be able to keep track of the invitation. So I took a picture of the invitation and sent it to him because I knew he'd have his phone, and that way he had the address, he had the times, he had all the information that he could need right there in his phone. Ah. For me, I just would use the physical invitation, but for him, that works better.
0: And yeah, and Gretchen, we heard from a whiteboard loving listener um, who yeah, I love whiteboards. <laughs> I mentioned that in a recent episode who writes, um, keeps a running grocery list. The whole family keeps it on a, the whiteboard and then she takes a photo of it and takes that to the grocery store, which is super easy. Right. Well, and another reason why I
1: think this can be particularly useful is if you're trying to get somebody to buy something very specific or like execute an errand for you. Where a lot of times it can be pretty confusing. Like, if you go to the drugstore and you want something very specific, you know, I've had experiences where, like, Jamie will come back with completely the wrong thing, but technically it it meant my (laughs) description. If you just take a picture of what it is, then the person can just match the photo instead of having to kind of hunt through the labels and be like, ooh, a can of tomatoes. This is a can of tomatoes. It's like, oh, it's not the kind of can of tomatoes that I meant.
0: Right. Right. Um, now, I do this in LA, Gretchen, with parking spots. A lot of big parking structures have their parking spots numbered. Mm, yeah. So I'll either, if they do, I'll take a picture of the number, or if they don't have an actual number, I'll take a picture of like 4C, you know, le- like whatever level and row I'm on so that I won't forget.
1: Well, this is a great thing too on just like, you know, we've talked about cognitive load, how you just have all these things that you have to keep in your mind. And that's just a way of it instead of having to have it running through your brain, you can just have it in your phone and then you don't have to use any mental energy at all to try to remember. So I think that's a great idea. I've also seen people do it in sort of note-taking situations, like when I've been at conferences and there's been like a big slide at the front or, you know, presentations at my daughter's school where a speaker posts something or like resources. You see people taking a picture of it, whereas I was still frantically scribbling down notes as fast as I could until, you know, seeing Eliza's example and these other people's examples, I realized, oh, I can just take a picture of it. Now, I do think sometimes if you take a picture of something, you don't process it as much. Mm. And so I often will take notes even when I see other people taking pictures, because I'm like, I'll just forget that I have this. I won't go back and look at it. Um, Or I'll email it to myself so that it's in my email chain. It's not just in my, you know, gigantic trove of photos. But it's somehow kind of in process. Um, But it can save a lot of time.
0: Yeah, Gretchen, you are someone who still loves writing things down i mean you use a file effects
1: yes and that's a perfect example so i love my file effects i love keeping a paper calendar but it's heavy so i don't like taking it with me plus if i take it out in the world i risk losing it which would be like the biggest catastrophe mm-hmm. that would ever befall me so sometimes when i have a really complicated day i'll take i'll take a picture of that day mm-hmm. in the file effects and so i have it with me but i don't have to bring my whole paper file effects so it's sort of a combination of old technology and new
0: wow well, i love that so it's a very
1: it's a very simple thing. But I think sometimes when we have this new technology, we don't think through all the implications of it. You know, you're like, oh, I could take a picture of this birthday party, but you don't think, oh, I could take a picture of this day in my calendar. You know, it took me a while to to think about uh, sort of the extension. So I love that hack. Good hack.
0: Yes. Thank you, Eliza. Gretchen, it's time for our happiness stumbling block. And speaking of taking pictures with our phones, this week's stumbling block is all about photo anxiety. That's managing photos, taking photos, feeling like you're taking too many photos, (laughs) everything photo related.
1: The one thing you don't have to worry about with the photos, though, is running into empty with film. Because fortunately, right now, that is something that we no longer have to run out and buy. You can take pictures as much as you want. You don't have to have enough film. Oh, yeah. I remember when it was like a big thing, like, oh, I have to buy film. It's, you know, holiday time. Yeah, you don't have to buy film.
0: Uh uh-huh. But because it's so easy to take pictures now, everyone constantly feels like they need to take pictures. And it's created this whole... New um realm of sort of pressure and expectation that does lead to a happiness stumbling block.
1: yeah, and I think I feel like there's two major kinds of photo anxiety. One is the is anxiety related to taking them and memorializing things, And am I taking pictures of the right thing? Am I getting the right photos because these are precious? But then also, once they're taken, like managing them, what do you do with all these photographs? I feel like, Both of those things can be happiness stumbling blocks.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, it's the managing. And I've talked about this before. And I have to admit, I don't think I've made much progress, uh, except for thank goodness for I have used FrameBridge. Yes, we love it. One of our advertisers has helped me improve a little bit. But you can't send everything, every single picture to FrameBridge to get framed. So I still have just like hundreds, if not thousands of pictures that are good pictures that I would love to like have printed or have in an album or, you know, have in some form, not just on my phone, but I've done nothing with them. And this is going back to when Jack was a baby. Well, one of the things about me is I feel uneasy
1: when the pictures are just on my phone. I feel like they could vanish at any point or or not get processed enough. And So what I use is uh, Shutterfly Mm. to make these digital albums, which I really do in as perfunctory a way as possible. I am not like a person who makes elaborate scrapbooks or elaborate digital albums. I do everything on kind of the default setting where they do as much work as possible. I used to, like, upload them from an actual camera, but now I can use an app, a Shutterfly app on my phone to get the photos into Shutterfly and from there make these digital albums. Because it does feel like you want to hang on to them in some other way. I mean, Elizabeth, don't I remember like one one time your phone died and you lost all the photographs that were on it?
0: Yes, I talked about that on the podcast. Yeah, that was that was awful. Now, luckily for me, Adam is a crazy photo taker. Yeah. So um whatever I do lose, I know he'll have he has so many great pictures. Yeah. But it yeah, that was crushing. I mean, speaking of taking a lot of pictures, I mean, this is the other yes. thing is we're now in the society where you have to document every event or it's like it didn't happen. <laughs> and I, I don't like that either. Either, I mean, sometimes don't you want to just go somewhere and not feel the pressure to take pictures of it? Yeah,
1: I think that it does cause people a lot of stress. Like, are you taking pictures? Are you capturing it the right way? But here's some interesting research, though. Um Some people do fear that if you are taking a picture of something, you're experiencing it less. But some research does suggest that actually photo taking makes people more engaged with experiences Mm. and that they enjoy positive events more than people who didn't take pictures. So I think this is something where you really want to know yourself. It's not that it's necessarily always bad. If you feel like it enhances your appreciation of a situation, then fine. If you feel like the way you do, all this stuff, that it's really taking you out of it and kind of adding a layer of stress to something that you wanted to sort of experience as it's happening and not worry about taking pictures of it, then that's something to know about yourself.
0: Yeah, the uh, another area, Gretchen, for photo anxiety is social media. Yeah. How many pictures should you fo- post on Facebook of your children? or on Instagram. There's a lot of debate in that area. And you don't want to post so much that you're sort of inundating people with photos of your child. On the other hand, you could feel like, well, I'm not posting enough pictures. It seems like I don't care. Yeah. And there's the whole element now. Some people think that you shouldn't post pictures of your children at all because they can't really say, yes, post pictures of me. And what if when they're older, they don't want all those pictures out there. It's a whole area of anxiety. It's a whole new thing. But I will say this,
1: and this doesn't solve all the problems, but it solves some of the problems. And its I've mentioned this before, and I will mention it again because it's one of the best pieces of advice I got as a new parent. And that's when an older parent said to me, the thing that I regret most about my children's childhood is I didn't have more professional photographs taken. Mm. And I really took that to heart. And I think in many ways this is good because if you have really good, excellent pictures taken by somebody who's really a professional, knows what they're doing, it's on good paper, the lighting's great, all this – Then, okay, you have that sort of one perfect thing from the year that they were 10 years old, and it takes a lot of pressure off of the other photographs that you took because you know that you have an excellent one. And I also find that while it's happening, my pictures seem just as good as the pictures of a professional. When I look back... I can see that their pictures are much better than my pictures. Mm. Kind of in the heat of the moment, they all look adorable. But then you look back, you're like, "Mm, that's really a much better picture. So I just throw that out as something that, if you're feeling a lot of these anxieties, maybe that's that's one. It's also a good gift to give to other people.
0: Yeah, I think I've only had professional photos taken of Jack twice this whole life. That's probably not a good thing. Well,
1: there's that one amazing picture of you when he with him when he was just born. That's a beautiful picture.
0: Yeah, that's the one. That's one time. (laughs) that's one of the two times well let us know
1: how you feel about this stumbling block do you feel anxious about the taking of the pictures the managing the pictures what solutions have you come up with we've talked about some solutions but we could both use a lot of new solutions because this does seem like something that comes up a lot with people dealing with photographs Yes. yes it's a good problem to have but it does get in the way of feeling happy sometimes and now for a listener question. As always, you can leave us a voicemail question at 774-277-9336, also 77-HAPPY-336, or send us an email at podcast at Gretchen Rubin. And this week, we have a listener who wanted to remain anonymous.
0: Quick question about rebels. I am a questioner, and my best friend is a rebel. Whenever I ask what he's going to do today, he always says, whatever I want. <laughs> The problem occurs, however, when I would like to be part of his day and do something together. Seems hard to get a rebel to plan ahead due to his resisting outer expectations, me. Feels like I'm imposing by asking. Any tips how to deal with a rebel for a better result? Thank you. So this is something that comes up with a lot with Rebels.
1: And and, and by the way, if you don't know what we're talking about, you can take the quiz and learn about the four tendencies at happiercast.com slash quiz. This is something that comes up a lot with Rebels because they typically don't like to bind themselves, so they don't like to make plans Mm -hmm. ahead. They like to be spontaneous. They like to do what they feel like when they feel like it. They don't like to do something because you're telling them to do it. So exactly this kind of situation arises frequently.
0: And so what can people do? I mean, are there... Is it just like Jedi mind tricks on the rebels to make them do what you want them to do? Well, there's a couple different things that can work. And one thing that works with
1: rebels, and it also works with the other tendencies, but it's particularly helpful to think about with rebels, is you think about information consequences choice you give the rebel the information mm. they need you tell them the consequences of their action or inaction and then you allow them to choose so this friend could say hey you know what the next couple of weeks are super busy for me but i'm around this weekend so it would be fun to get together call me if you want to hang out so i'm giving you mm. the information that you need my schedule is busy i'm telling you the consequences if we don't do something this weekend probably we can't do something for a while if it feels right for you i'm letting you choose to call me but here's the thing When it comes to the consequences and the choice, you have to allow that rebel to make a choice without nagging them, without reminding them. So this means like, hey, man, if you want to do something, you know, you have to let me know by Friday or what. You can't remind them because that Mm -hmm. inspires in them that that spirit of resistance. You can't tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. You're not the boss of me. And you also have to let negative consequences fall. So if you go ahead and make plans with another friend. And then the rebel calls at the last minute and says, like, hey, I can hang out. You Don't cancel those plans. Say, oh, mm. oh, it would have been so fun. I would have loved to have seen you, but I I didn't know if you were going to be around. So I went ahead and made movie plans with this other friend. So, like, they, there have to be negative consequences. If you always race to kind of insulate the rebel from the consequences, then it doesn't make any difference. So you have to let negative consequences fall.
0: And then is there anything you can do just to appeal to them sort of as a fellow human being? like, Yes you know, it hurts my feelings that you're not making plans with me. You can do that. So another way to
1: think about appealing to the rebel is they have a very strong sense of identity. And they want to be their authentic to their true selves. And so if you are able to explain to them how something that they're doing is not a reflection of their true self or how they want to see themselves in the world, that works. So like in your example, is if you could say something like, Right. It hurts my feelings when you do this, because sometimes a rebel will choose to do something out of love for you. They're not doing it because right. they said they would. They're not doing it because you told them to. They're not doing it because that's what they're supposed to do. They're choosing to do it out of love for you. So if you say it hurts my feelings when we never, we, you never call me to make plans, well, would you choose to behave different out of love for me? Maybe you would. Or the other thing you can do is you can appeal to their identity of the kind of person they want to be. So if this is a person who wants to... Feel Like they're going through the world as a considerate friend or a person who shows respect for others. That's a high value that many people have. You could say, when you change plans at the last minute, it makes me feel like you think your time is more valuable than my time.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, you're making me feel like you think you're more important than I am. Does the rebel want to be that kind of person? Maybe not. You know, maybe that would be because it's not like you're telling me what to do. It's just like this. Again, it's, it's just a form of consequences. But the other thing I would say is, don't take it personally. This is the way rebels are. All rebels are like this. It's not to do with you. This rebel is like this with everybody, probably, in his or her life. Mm -hmm. Rebels are like this all the time. It drives people crazy. There it is. So recognize they do put this really high value on spontaneity. To them, this is really, really important. They do want to just, like, wake up and do what they want to do. To them, that's what feels right. And it's, it's not a reflection on you or the health of your relationship. It's just the rebel perspective.
0: And if you're friends with this rebel, probably he brings things into your life that you wouldn't have yes. without a rebel in your life. Yes. So if you recognize, hey, there's good that comes with yes. this, too— it can lessen the resentment you feel in these moments when you won't make plans.
1: <laughs> yes. And as somebody who's married to a questioner, I often remind myself, sometimes it drives me crazy, sometimes it's hugely <laughs> beneficial and I love it and copy it. So it's like right, there's good there's good parts and bad parts and remember that.
0: <laughs> yeah. And Gretch, I will say you talk a lot about this in your book, yep. The Four Tendencies. Yep. So um I would recommend that as as a way to delve into this question.
1: Yeah, the rebel tendency is the one that the fewest people belong in and it's the longest chapter.
0: Ah <laughs> interesting. <laughs>
1: it's 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 a tricky, it's a very special tendency.
0: Dealing with rebels, yes. that's the key. Yep, yep, yeah.
1: So Elizabeth wrapping up with demerits and gold stars, you're up for this week's demerit.
0: Yes, and Gretch, I feel like I've already gave myself like five different <laughs> demerits in the photo anxiety section, not managing my photos, not getting professional photos taken. <laughs> Uh, I'm not taking enough photos. It goes on, but I have a non-photo related demerit. It may even be one I've given myself before. I don't remember if it was on the podcast or just in my mind, <laughs> but it's not washing my face properly yeah. at night. Uh, yeah, what I realize it's not even just the washing the face. I mean, yes, I do always brush my teeth. I get that done, but like I don't have a good nighttime routine. Yeah. You know, well, and you're tired at the end of the day. It feels like
1: a lot of work. I gave a gold star to Eliza because Eliza's the one that finally got me to fix this demerit because I was giving myself this demerit all the time as well.
0: You're just tired at the end of the day. It feels like too much work. (laughs) So do you wash your face like with soap and water? What do you, do you have a routine?
1: You know what? Actually, I got a great suggestion from a listener and I don't remember the name of this product. It's something where you don't have to use water. And she said, I bet you're cold and you don't want to splash water on your face. And that was 100% correct. This Mm. is something that you just use out of the bottle and use it to wash your face. Plus Eliza bought me this like magic remover cloth where you get your face wet and just it comes off on this cloth really well. So I sort of do a combination of those two things.
0: Yeah, I do rub my face with a makeup remover cloth, but it doesn't feel like it gets it clean. I feel like I need to do an actual washing of the face. Yeah, So I need, I want to do it because I mean, I'm at an age where I just want to take care of my skin, you know, really well and I'm good in the morning. I have a whole routine I do in the morning and I'm really faithful about it. But then I feel like I undo all of my good stuff by just doing nothing at night.
1: But could you have Jack come in and, and when he's brushing his teeth and washing his face, you're doing yours. So you feel like you have to show him how you're doing it, too?
0: Uh, maybe. Yeah, that could be a good idea, or at least or I could do it while he's doing it. We have separate bathrooms, but I could be like, OK, you brush your teeth. I'll go wash my face. That's probably a good idea. You need some kind of accountability. So you could say to him,
1: like, if I don't wash my face, you don't have to brush your teeth or something like that. Mm. You know, so he's like, oh, mom's taking a night off. Good idea. I also think it's good to get ready for bed earlier because the closer it is to bedtime, the more sleepy and tired you are. And so I feel like I try to do all this stuff earlier because I just start running out of steam.
0: Yes, that's a good, that's a good point. That's a good thing to remember. Partly, yeah, it's just by the time I go to bed, I'm just dying to like conk out in bed. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see how I do with that. <laughs> all right, Gretchen, it's time for your gold star.
1: Yeah, so I want to give a gold star to my very, very thoughtful mother-in-law. My mother-in-law is excellent at giving presents. She often gives really imaginative, interesting presents. And often she'll do things like, you know, if it's like your cotton anniversary, she'll give you something cotton or whatever. So she uses a lot of originality. And so she got me a little charm, gold charm, and a gold chain with the number four for my Four Tendencies book as a pre-book tour kind of little good luck gift. Oh, how Um, nice. And it's just sort of... Yeah, yeah. It's really sweet. And it's exactly kind of the right size if you just want to wear like a little gold thing around your neck. It's not like a huge fashion thing that you have to incorporate in. It's just like the perfect gold chain. And I love that it has the four on it because, you know, for the rest of my life, I'll always remember why why she gave it to me. So I just thought that was a lovely, lovely gift. It's from... Helen Ficalora, who, who makes all kinds of letters and numbers and things, little charms.
0: Oh, that's very cool. Yes,
1: and I was really touched that she remembered. Because to me, you know, it seems like a huge thing, but it's not like everybody in my life is like, oh my goodness, when is Gretchen's book coming out? You know, so it was very lovely that she remembered that it was a big thing.
0: Yeah, and it's one of those things where getting a gift when it's not your birthday yes. or Christmas, it's just like a nice, it is a momentous occasion. It is deserving of a gift, but it didn't even occur to me to get <laughs> you a
1: book tour gift. Exactly. 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 It, frankly, it didn't even occur to me. So it did. It hit me really hard because I was like, oh, this is really, really lovely. Judy is very thoughtful. And it's personalized. I mean, Elizabeth, you're the best at giving personalized gift. It was personalized in a kind of in an unusual way. I wouldn't have thought of picking up this idea for, but once she said it, it made perfect sense.
0: So everyone who sees you, Gretch, um, as you're touring can look for your uh, gold four necklace.
1: I'll, and I'll post a picture of it in the show notes too. I'll have Kristen take a picture of me with my four. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Don't let yourself fall into empty. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you.
0: Thank you to our producer, Kristen Meinzer. Also, thanks to Andy Bowers of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com.
1: And if you like the show, as I mentioned at the beginning, in terms of getting reviews for books, it also is a huge help to get a review for a podcast, because listeners are really, really influenced by what other listeners say. So rate, review, and subscribe to us. Also, for resources, I just did a gigantic redesign of my website, which is like doing a house renovation, Elizabeth, so (laughs) you can identify. And I have tons and tons of resources that I've posted there related to The Four Tendencies. So if you want one-pagers about how to use the four tendencies at work or with a child or with a sweetheart or in a healthcare profession, I have one-pagers for that. I have discussion guides if you're talking about it in a work group or a book group or a spirituality group. If you're trying to use the four tendencies while you're changing a habit, I have something that tells you, depending on your tendency, what strategies would be more or less likely to be useful. I have a sample chapter if you're still like... Do I actually want to read this book, The Four Tendencies? Uh, you can read a sample chapter and see what you think. It's all there, so I will put a link to that in the show notes.
0: Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft.
1: And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. all at your fingertips, homes.com. We've done your homework.